So lately we've been talking about the armies that are the wall or north of the wall for quite a bit. I figured we would begin our descent south and stop at Winterfell here to actually talk about a unique list today, and that is going to be the Howland Reed Stark Control List. This is actually my preferred method of playing Starks. While I do like the aggressive nature, I usually run that with Ramsey. I also like running this control list because it kind of throws people um, for a surprise, as they never expect Starks to have this much of a control element in an army, and usually refrain that from things like Lannisters or a Roos-led army. So this can catch a lot of people off guard. Before we get into the list too much, of course, we have to talk about our... <sighs> my favorite part of this podcast, um, our eternal sponsor... Totino's Pizza Rolls. I am actually excited about it this week because I found a use for these things. It turns out if you throw a bunch of them into, you know, any type of uh, vegetative area like grass or woods, it will completely salt the earth and kill everything in the vicinity. So we found an actual use for these things. Please do not ingest these in any way, shape, or form. But if you need to just, like, I guess, kill uh, any type of, like, weeds or grass or probably local wildlife just dump these things right on the lawn and it will leave just a black uh, area ring of death that nothing will grow for a hundred years so uh, that's our sponsor Tatina's pizza rolls uh, moving on to the actual list let's go ahead and run down what we have in here and then we'll break down the combat units attachments and why this works and why I am sure people are gonna look at this and go like huh this is a really weird list we have here one unit of Krennigman Trackers, Vanilla. One unit of Krennigman Trackers with Rickon Stark, Prince of Winterfell, who comes along with Free Osha. A Shaggy Dog, who is also tagging along with the uh, Rickon Louie bot. Krennigman Trackers with Mirror Reed, Cunning Trapper. Two units of House Tully Sworn Shields, each of them featuring an Umber Champion. And then we have three non-combat options in this list. Howlin' Reed, Lord of the Krennigs, who is also our commander. Arya Stark, the Wolf Girl. And Sansa Stark, the Little Bird. So this is going to be kind of a, I guess, a variation of that uh, popular comment that's been going around the internet of this being the child soldier army. That we have Sansa, Arya, uh, Mira, and Rickon just out there doing stuff. Which, granted, Arya and Sansa are not actually on the battlefield, but hey, is what it is. Okay, so to make this list work, we have to go over a couple basics here. Basically, when you're running Howland Reed, you're going to have a lot of uh, kind of debuff cards uh, for his commander. And then Howland Reed himself has an influence effect that is going to give the enemy minus one to hit. So that combined with his tactics cards, which, as I just said, are going to put a bunch of debuffs, and I'm talking in circles here, are going to give you the first element of control of this list. So let's go ahead and focus on these Stark tactics cards here and see exactly what they're bringing to the table here. So first we have Winter is Coming. When a friendly unit declares a charge, your opponent cannot play tactics cards or use orders the remainder of the turn. Okay, so the thing to understand about this list is that you're going to immediately look at it and go, you're running a bunch of Kranigmen. These guys are absolutely awful in combat. You should never charge them. You're crazy. And you're right. You absolutely... Well, actually, on both counts there, I have been clinically diagnosed. You know, that's, that's not important. Anyway, um point here is that no you should not be doing a lot of charging and that's going to innately make some of the stark tactics cards here seem like they are not uh, the best options for this list but it's a matter of using the tools we have and maximizing the other effects that we have because they're really so good and synergistic with this list so we have winner is coming which is our first element of control basically with this list when you do charge you're going to need to pick your combats very precisely the krennic men should really be moving around the board just kind of a uh, nickel and diming down enemy units by plinking them with your arrows 
you have a lot of mobility of this army, but don't be afraid to charge when you have to. Now, your Tully Sworn Shields should actually be the ones who are getting in prolonged combat, so, you know, that's the benefit there. But frankly, Winter is coming. While it is usually a staple start card in this list, it is actually one of the backseat ones. So if you can get an opponent to, you know, bait out like a counterplot or, you know, other effects that are going to cancel tactics cards on this thing, then by all means let them because this is by no means your strongest card that you have. Your next card is going to be Northern Ferocity. When a friendly unit makes a melee attack, the attack gains Sundering. If you control the combat zone, the defender also becomes vulnerable. You have one remaining rank, you also become vicious. Okay. This is nice because the combat units that we have don't have any innate special abilities, and Sundering is just a generally good thing. A lot of the times, because you're going to be able to get so many flank charges in, this is going to result in a minus two to the enemy. So even though you're not rolling the highest number of attack dice, or really have the best to hit ratio, your attacks are really, really going to hurt. So this one here is a fantastic card. It's one of my favorite in the deck. The North Rimbers. When a friendly unit is destroyed, trust me, we're probably going to be triggering that a bit because we're running a bunch of five-point Kranigman unit. Target a friendly unit, remove one activation token from them, and they may or they may restore up to three wounds. If you control the combat zone, you may choose uh, both effects instead. This is going to be clutch here because, as I said, you're running some rather squishy five-point units, so you can expect to lose guys. But being able to capitalize on that and going, hey, cool, my uh, uh, actual nasty Tully Sworn Shields here can reactivate, or one of my Kranigbin units, who by all means should be hitting guys in the flank, by the way, um, can reactivate. This is just a generally good card here. It's going to help with that control element. Devastating Impact. Okay, we're getting back to another one of the charge cards here. As this one triggers off the charge, it lets you do two additional automatic hits. Um, if you control the maneuver zone, you're going to get some other benefits here, and you can reroll charge dice. Really, this is an actual weak card for this list. Um, not saying it's bad, because if your Kranigmen actually begin charging, they're going to need a little bit of extra assistance. And two extra automatic hits is nice. If you control the maneuver zone, it turns them into automatic wounds, which you do have a lot of NCU control of this list. That's going to help. But overall, again, going to compare this to your normal Stark lists, this is not going to be one of your standout cards. So something to just understand that I really want to hammer in as we're moving along here, and I'm probably going to end up reiterating just a lot, is the fact that this is not going to play like your standard Stark list, and you need to capitalize on that. Usually when people are playing against Starks, they're going to go Winter is Coming, Northern Ferocity, Devastating Impact, Sudden Charge. These are going to be like the clutch, like powerful cards that people are going to look out for. And in this army, they're nice, but they're not the ones that are going to swing games for you. They're actually going to be on the lower tier of usefulness compared to the ta uh, Commander Tactics cards and the other ones I will mention here, such as Swift Advance. This is actually going to be one of your better cards here. When a friendly infantry unit activates, that infantry unit may make a free maneuver action. If you control the maneuver zone, this unit also gains plus one to its move and may reroll any charge distance size this activation. So this is a clutch card because you are running Kranigman trackers who have their order ability that after they complete a maneuver or a retreat action, they can make a free ranged attack. Usually going to be in the flank of something here. So this is going to be one of the best cards that you have in your deck for this army. This is going to be one of your clutch cards here. I would say Swift Advance and Northern Ferocity are probably going to be your two best cards you have outside of Howland's Commander cards himself. So those are my two favorite in here. Sudden Charge. When you claim uh, any zone on the tactics board, you may replace the zone's effect of the unit making a free charge action. If you control the maneuver zone, uh, any unit they successfully charge become vulnerable. This is a nice card. It's going to help with 
um, just getting those surprise tactics out. But again, not one of the strongest cards for this uh, list, even though you were going to have a lot of tactics zone control. What I really like about this one here is that's going to synergize with the Tully uh, Sworn Shields that you're running because they are a bit on the slower side. This is going to help them move up along with uh, Swift Advance and let you get some unexpected charges off. And those guys are, you know, those are going to be your primary charging units and the primary units that you want to get engaged with the enemy. So that's going to help out. Dire Wolf's Fervor. When a friendly unit suffers a panic test, the unit gains plus one to their panic test and an additional uh, plus one to their panic test and an additional plus one for each destroyed rank. If you control the combat zone, one enemy engaged that unit also suffers D3 wounds. So the good thing about this army is that the guys who should be in combat are your Tully Sworn Shields, who already have a baseline 6+, plus, and that's going to help keep them around. The other units you have are going to be your Kranigmen, which are on a 7+. plus. But frankly, if they're in combat, they're probably going to get cut down anyway because they only have a 6+, plus save, and a 7+, plus morale. This is going to help them stay around a little bit longer, but overall, that card is not going to be as useful in this list as it could be in others. So take that into consideration. It's going to help you against some of those like you know clutch plays or things like that you know if you're playing against lannisters or another list that is running you know vicious or something it'll help out but it's not going to be one of your priority cards now we're getting on to howland reed's commander tactics cards and this is really the bulk of where a lot of your strength is going to come into so the first one we have is the threat unseen when a damaged enemy unit activates that enemy must make a panic test and suffers minus one to their roll per destroyed rank. If they're within long range of a Kranigman unit, they also become panicked. This is going to be the start of why this list works. First off, I know you're only running three Kranigman units, but that's really all you're going to need because these guys should not be seeing prolonged combat. They should be just kind of skirting around the edges. And frankly, with three units, you have an obscene amount of coverage on the board to trigger all of these bonus effects for Howland Reed. Okay, that's also a reason why I've not focused so much on adding the kids, um, Jojen and Mira, into units to give them the aff affiliation Kranigman, because since we're running three units of Kranig, I don't really feel I need this too much. Original concept for this army, by the way, also is running four units of Kranig, and that was a little overkill of what we needed. So I really feel that with three Kranigman units, just off the radius of their effect, um, they're giving you, you know, 12 inches from each of those units. And that's actually not talking their total coverage because it's 12 inches from any point in their base. Or sorry, the tray that you have there. The trays are um, X number of inches wide. Anyway, I'm not going to get into the specific math of it, but three units should be able to globally cover the board if you need to. So the odds of the opponent not being within long range of a Kranigman unit is going to be very slim, even if you're running three units. You can actually cut that down to two and probably get most of these effects in uh, for the majority of the game. All right, so this that this card right here is one of my favorites because you're going to get the panicked effect off. I'm just going to treat that as almost an absolute here because if you don't, then you're probably have lost the game by that point because that means all your Kranig units are just dead. This right here is going to be able to, you know, hit the opponent even if they don't have any destroyed ranks. They're still going to become panicked, and you know you're going to be able to reroll those dice now. Op optimally. You are going to want them to, you know, have one, maybe two destroyed ranks on there to give you this benefit. The thing about this list is that you have methods of cutting through enemy armor. Um, in the fact that you're going to be hitting guys on the flank and you do have some sundering effects from Northern Ferocity. But really, the meat of this list is going to be causing damage through morale. And that's also another thing that is going to catch people off guard because that's usually going to be a Bolton or going to be a Lannister tactic here. 
when people are playing in tournaments and you've got your two list format, they'll usually have a list that is really good in the morale save area for certain matchups against Lannister or matchups like Feast for Crows. And then they'll have one that's good against combat, and they'll usually pick that list for Starks. This will completely throw them through a loop here, where you're going to be, yeah, you're dealing damage in combat, but the primary amount of damage that this list is going to do is going to come from hitting the enemy's morale and through panic tests. And you'll see that more as we go on. But this is the first card that's kind of playing into that. The next one we have is Kranich Traps. When an enemy unit activates, that enemy suffers minus two uh, speed this activation. If they're within long range of Kranich unit, they also become weakened. Guys, minus two speed is huge. Um... If you're a normal unit with a baseline movement of 5, this is cutting you down to 3, which means if you march, you're barely getting a maneuver off. If they were going to charge you, it's now a lot uh, it's now a lot riskier. Cavalry absolutely hate this one here because this is going to give them minus 2 to their baseline speed stat, which is going to cut down on their free cavalry maneuver as well. And in addition to this, it's going to make them weakened. Uh, weakened is going to be really, really good because it's going to make the level of tankiness in your Tully Sworn Shields that you have just go to stupid high levels. And if you're in a bad situation and your Kranigs actually get attacked, this is going to help them survive that as well, which then they're just going to retreat off and shoot into the enemy and cause some nastiness there. So this is a, one of the... This is actually probably my favorite card in the entire deck when you're running Howland. So, because it can lead to so many just messing up your opponent's plans, uh, saving your own units, and just a lot of clutch plays. So this is by far my favorite card in the deck. This is one that I often find myself searching for of Sansa as well. Just knowing, you know, when to play it and when an enemy unit's going to activate. Say they're, the opponent's invested in Flademen or some other high expensive, you know, cost unit. Pull this card out, throw it down on them, and just prevent them from getting to the battle to begin with. You know, they can't be a threat if they're not actually in the fight. Last card we're going to look at is Bog Devil Ambush. When an enemy combat unit activates, that enemy suffers D3 plus 2 automatic hits. If they're within long range of a Kranigman unit, they suffer minus 1 to defense save rolls for these hits. So effectively, you're going to cause between 3 to 5 sundering hits on an enemy. That's great, okay? So this is just extra free damage that you're going to be able to throw out there to really whittle some guys down. Technically, if you had two of these, you could, you know, play it on unit. When they activate again, play it on the unit, and then Sansa it back from your discard pile and just cause an obscene number of hits to the enemy. Um, and probably triggering again that um, minus one to defense save, as you should be doing with all of your Howl and Reed Tactics cards, given you have here. Now, obviously, you're going to have to need to pick who you throw this on, but there's really not a bad target for this, because if you throw it on guys of a poor save, then, okay, you're probably going to get a lot of those, you know, their uh, those hits in, and just burn their armor down but really i like using this card against guys who have a moderate save of a three plus or a four plus four plus is really ideal because moving that to a five plus is a bigger is a big deal something from a three plus to a four plus given the amount of hits you're doing you're probably not going to cause a lot of wounds but the thing about this is that this is going to allow you to in the early game set up combinations with bog devil ambush and the threat unseen so let's say turn one you know, an opponent activates a unit that's rather meaty. You throw down Bog Devil Ambush. You're going to cause them some damage, which is then going to allow later turns, uh, before combat even happens, to trigger the threat unseen and allow them to and allow you to deal them some extra panic test damage. The other thing about this list, uh, now that we're done talking about the tactics, let's move on to the non-combat units here. Because you're running three NCUs, you're going to have a decent amount of control over the tactics board theoretically. I mean, with three NCUs, you're going to have those options here. 
the one thing that you're actually going to be able to play into here that Starks don't usually do is playing into the crown zone. This can help you deny uh, opponents' effects if they're playing Lannister or some specific neutral factions. Then you can really hurt them there. But it's really causing panic tests. Uh, and it's giving you another tool to beat out enemies. Yes, you can do your versatility here where you can, you know, I'm going to just have the spread here so I can get my free maneuver to trigger my Kranigman trackers. The combat zone, everyone likes free attack actions. Um, wealth to heal your guys up. But the thing is, don't discount the um, crown zone. Especially if you're playing against an army that usually doesn't go for it, like, like with Nice Watch or Free Folk. This can really lead to some nastiness if you hurt them with it. Um, yes, of course, everything can lead to nastiness if you hurt them with it. That was a Oscar-winning phrase right there. Truly literary. Anyway, sorry. If you're playing against Free Folk, they already have terrible morale. Crown zap them, and the average Free Folk Raider is now going to be rolling on a 9. You've probably found some way to make them, uh, make them have made them panicked with, for example, the Threat Unseen. You can start burning down whole units like that. Even, you know, Night's Watch, who have a decent morale save and everything, every little bit's going to help. Which, by the way, okay, I know we said we are going to talk about combat units, so I'm going to make a small segue here when it comes to terrain placement across the board. There's some key choices here for terrain when you put them out. For one, corpse piles are a big fan of this list because you have a large amount of vicious and panic-causing effects. Two, bogs are really nice because you're going to help just kind of condense the board down to make it so your opponent can't charge you that much because this army is all about playing the range game. In addition to that, you could be playing some spikes to actually throw your Kranigman trackers behind some covering areas. There's a lot of options, but my favorite options here are really going to be corpse piles because if you, depending on the army, if you're playing against Lannisters, don't throw down the corpse piles because they're probably going to be running a bunch of um, guard captains and they're going to hit you really badly in the panic area as well. So really don't help them out there. In that case, I'd rather throw down bogs or spikes, things like that. If you're playing against free folk, yeah, I'll throw down corpse piles. Night's Watch, um, that's really going to depend on which commander they choose. So I could talk about that all day long, but whatever. And in the Stark Mirror match here, I actually do like the, um, I don't really like the spikes too much because them wounding themselves is not going to be that great. In that case, I'd prefer to go to with bogs, low walls, um, or actually maybe some corpse piles there as well. That's, that's really going to have to depend on who they've chosen as their commander and what type of list they're running. You know, if they're running a full berserker list, then there are some other things to take into consideration versus say they're running a full like Tully list and they're just going to be all tanky. Okay. All right, so that's a small segue in terrain. Let's get back to talking about the non-combat units. Sansa, she's used to fish out a tactics card once per game whenever you need to. That is usually going to be one of Howland Reed's cards that you've already used and you just need to pull back. I'm a big fan of pulling back Kranigman Traps, Threat Unseen, Bog Devil, Ambush. These are all great options depending on the situation. If you're looking for generic cards, then you have options just before Sansa is going to like claim a zone, you can pull back a Sudden Charge to replace that. You can pull back a Swift Advance, which, frankly, I think of all the cards in the deck, that's the one with this list I find myself pulling back the most, because it has such good synergies with the uh, Kranich. But they can usually trigger that effect on their own. This is just if you need to get like a, you know, a sneaky play out of the way, like Swift Advance, pull it out of the discard, uh, play it when they activate, they make a free maneuver, which is going to trigger their order, get in someone's flank, they'll shoot with their order, and then they spend their action to actually make an attack action, shooting in the flank again. So you're getting basically the double slam down on them. 
Arya, she's in here because she gives us a free maneuver action. This army is fully versatile uh, with its Kranig and super slow with its sworn shields. Arya is going to help mitigate that by giving us the free maneuver. Frankly, one of the only things in this list I really was debating over is finding a place to stick in Sirio Pharrell. But I really feel that he is an option that we could have put in with one of the Tully Sworn Shields to make them more survivable. I feel of Howland, like it's a popular combo. You run him and Howland Reed, an opponent's going to suffer a minus two when they're attacking a unit. And then you have the Tully Sworn Shield D3 blocking hits on top of that. To me, it's a little overkill. Uh, I needed some extra offensive punch in this list, which is why the Tully Sworn Shields are set up the way they are. But that's why that's there. Arya is here because she is going to help um, increase the mobility of the Sworn Shields to help them get to objectives and get them positioned around the battlefield. But if I want to use her on a clutch uh, trackers play, I can do that at the start of the round because it's it's start of the round before any other unit activates. A unit makes a free maneuver action, which is then going to trigger the Kranigman trackers. So if you need to finish something off or whittle them down, this is almost going to guarantee get them in the flank somewhere that they can then just turn and shoot at something, noting that, you know, eight dice in the flank when they have, um, you know, the potential for uh, basically the minus one. It's range sundering. I don't want to use that term because it's it's not. It's the minus one from the combat bonuses. But that's still going to, you know, help a lot as well. So that's a sneaky little play that you can do. If you need to just burn down a unit or, you know, hurt it. And then you have Howland Reed himself, who is the whole linchpin of this army because he's your commander and everything. While influencing unit, the unit's attacks suffer minus one to hit. Basically, you're taking a 16% chance to hit off of every die that they're rolling. So this is good for anyone to get some prolonged combats. This is going to help keep your Tully Sworn Shields alive. This is going to be one of those things that you just need to know when and where to play them on. But it's just a generically useful uh, effect. So, you know, it's really hard to argue it. Let's take a look at the combat units here, specifically the ones the attachments, and talk about why I chose these, and some other options that might suit your playstyle a little bit more. So the anvil of this army is going to be the two units of House Tully Sworn Shields with the Umber Champions attached. By the way, noting just in case anyone has not seen it yet, the Umber Champions are updated in V1.4. They have a new effect I will read here, just in case you are really behind the times here and are not aware. So they have Fury Unleashed, which has been reworded to now do this. When this unit makes a melee attack, it may roll plus two dice and gain Vicious. If it does, after the attack is completed, unless the unit only has one remaining rank, it suffers D3 wounds. So we have stuck one of those in each of our unit of House Tully Sworn Shields. The thing about the Sworn Shields is that they have just a very good stat line, and they have the Shield Wall Order. But primarily you're paying for these guys because they have good attack, um, they have fantastic armor, and very good morale. In addition, they can tank very well because of the shield wall order that they have. But the thing is, they're really lacking anything flashy on the offense area. The Umber Champion is going to fix that by turning their basic longsword profile, which starts at a 3 plus to hit, goes 7, 6, 4, into effectively 9, 8, 6, with Vicious hitting on a 3 plus. That's pretty scary, okay? And is going to be the other part of this, the final little bit to talk about, that you know, you're really hitting the enemy's morale here. Because, yeah, you're actually hitting with a large number of attack dice here, just raw numbers. But then you're throwing Vicious on top of that. Now, I know people get scared away because they're like, yeah, but I'm going to suffer D3 wounds. And people treat that as meaning they're always going to suffer 3. But by that same notion, they have shield walls. So every time they're attacked from the front, you're going to block D3 hits. So 
you know, you can view that as a trade-off there. Yeah, I'm dealing myself damage. I'm also blocking damage on top of that, though. And I have a 3-plus save to begin with. So I'm going to be tankier than pretty much everything that I am fighting. And now with the addition of this Umber Champion, I can actually deal them some real damage. And I can deal them damage based on numbers if I need to just cut through their armor. But if it's something that has even average morale, I'm going to start cutting through that as well. I mean, I've got, yeah, these kind of expensive 8-point units, but they can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with things like Flademen, because, you know, the Flademen have a 2+, sure, but I'm actually not concerned about that aspect of their defense. They have a 6-plus morale that I'm now reducing to an 8 with Vicious, and, you know, let's say I've got them corpse piles around. Now it's a 9. Now they're going to be suffering some actual pretty nasty negatives there. Yeah, they're going to hit me back with basically the same attack, but once they lose a rank they get drastically cut down, whereas these guys here are consistent almost the entire way through. On top of that, keep in mind I still have my Stark Tactics cards, specifically Northern Ferocity, to give myself Sundering on the attack and, you know, help cut them down as well. The thing is, is that controlling both of the key Stark Tactic zones, the Combat Zone and the Maneuver Zone, gives such a nasty bonus effect to your combat capabilities and because you're running three NCUs, you should be able to claim those when you want. You're going to have a lot of just nasty bonuses against people. So Northern Ferocity, again, being like your clutch attack card, you're going to make them vulnerable. You're going to give yourself Sundering. You're going to give yourself plus two attack dice, and they're going to you know, suffer Vicious from that. You're hitting every single aspect of their defense in some negative capacity uh, off of a single attack action here and this card. Now it's a little bit of a combo, but... Hey, guess what? We have Sansa. So if we need to decisively kill something, we can just fish that card up. Let's now run here again. I want to reiterate. If you have a unit of Sworn Shields and you have Northern Ferocity, which again, you can whenever you want because you have Sansa, you're going to be throwing nine dice out on a vulnerable defender with Sundering. After you, that attack is completed, and that's hitting on a 3 plus 2, by the way. After that attack is completed, they're then going to take a morale test with Vicious attached. That's going to turn into one of the single strongest attacks in the game. All right. So if you're having trouble killing stuff and you're like, yeah, but Tully Sworn Shields, you know, they don't have any offensive power. They're just all defense. Um, sure. I don't know what more you want there because they're going to cut down everything. In addition to these two units that you have, you're going to have three units of Kranikman trackers. These guys should just be running around being a pain in the ass across the battlefield. They should avoid direct combat whenever they can. They should just be plinking people with the Kranik bows, which, yeah, doesn't have any cool special effects, but that's because you should be shooting guys in the flank. Now, eight dice shooting into the flank, conferring that minus one to both the defense save and the morale save, you know, that's going to build up damage over time. And you have five-point units here. You know, these guys are expendable to a degree. Now I do have one of those units is carrying around Rick and Stark in there. And why is he in this list? I know a lot of people are going to look at that and go like, huh? He is in here simply because he gives me Shaggy Dog at two points. Okay. Rickon is worth an extra victory point. Sure. This Kranigman Tracker unit should be a giant pain in the ass for your opponent to, you know, go after because they're just going to keep retreating out combat. And it's actually a benefit that they are so squishy. Because you have OSHA in there, so uh, every time they lose a rank, you're going to cause a wound. If you have the combat zone, which again, you have a ton of tactics board control, they're going to suffer D3 wounds instead. Now, obviously, you don't want to have your Kranigman units tied down in combat, but your opponent's going to go baiting after this unit, probably. And so you can, you know, use that to your advantage. 
you shouldn't be diving these guys into combat though just to trigger you know osha's go down fighting effect um although it is a valid source of damage it's not optimal but it's still nice to have okay the primary reason we're running this is because we have shaggy dog I mean, he's an extra guy. He's going to give us Vicious with his Savage Mauling effect. It's an extra activation as well. Something to know about this list is that you're running a total of uh, nine activations, which is a stupid high number outside of Free Folk. Three of them being NCUs, but still six um, just basic combat activations. That's one of the trade-offs for running a bunch of squishy units, but still an option here. Next, we have another Kranigman unit that has Mirror Reed Cunning Trapper. This unit here has Mira in there specifically for her hidden traps ability. This helps you take care of any nasty solos that could be running around the board. Now, this unit does, uh, sorry, this army does not have the hardest time in the world dealing with those type of units because you can kind of run around them, plink them down with um, your Kranigman units. But it's still just a nice bit of utility to have. So I enjoy putting it in there. Yeah, you're kind of wasting the Kranigman affiliation, but she's only a point, and I would prefer her being here rather than uh, putting her in the unit of House of uh, the Tully Sworn Shields, because I don't think you're gaining the extra benefit by turning them into um, Kranigman versus the Umber Champion that is in there. Okay, so there's a couple of alternatives that you could run with this list as well, and they work out just fine. If you feel like cutting down an activation, you can take Rickon out of the uh, army and instead replace him with two Kranigman Wardens into the trackers. You're going to lose Shaggy Dog and the opponent, and this list is going to get cut down to only eight activations. But what you're going to be gaining there is that two of your Kranigman units are now going to be able to reroll any of their dice uh, when they are, are attacking an unactivated unit. And I have to say, that is the way I ran this list for a long time. And I actually probably end up preferring it, but I've gotten a lot of use out of that Shaggy Dog activation, and uh, actually Osha as well. So I, I don't have a personal favorite here. I've just played the version with the Kranigman Wardens more, so I'm kind of leaning into that. But I actually believe that in the long term, when you learn how to play this list, I think the Shaggy Dog, Rick and Osha combo is better for this list. But it's really going to come down to personal preference, because even when I say that, I keep thinking of all the benefits to the other side. Those benefits, by the way, are being that the Kranigman Warden allows you to reroll attack dice against enemies that have not activated this round. So what that does to the Kranigman Trackers is that when you get your nasty combos off about basically getting the dual shots with Swift Advance or Aria or any of those, is that you're going to be able to capitalize on rerolling all those dice twice. So you're going to have potentially eight dice with their range attack with a four plus re-rolling all your misses twice per activation. That's an obscene amount of like damage statistics that you can throw out, especially again, because you should be shooting them in the flank to give them that minus one. It's really nasty and it really helps you play off your opponent making a single mistake. You can just jump on it and burn down a unit. Um, Shaggy Dog is going to give you an extra unit to capture objectives with, hit someone in the flank, and give you another source of Vicious as well. And the damage from Osha should not be uh, discredited, because if you control the combat zone, yeah, they can go and attack your squishy Kranigman trackers, but let's say they wipe out, you know, two ranks of one attack. They're going to suffer back 2d3 wounds. That's not insignificant. 
and then your unit is still going to be able to you know retreat do stuff and all that and frankly you still have access to run child so when that unit inevitably is going to about to get killed you can throw Rickon into another unit of Kranigman trackers and because your entire list is just kind of avoiding combat to begin with then you know it's not going to really be that big of a detriment even if you throw him into a unit of house tully sworn shields okay now he's sitting in your hyper tanky hyper damage dealing unit come at me bro so you know there's not really a negative there and that's how i keep looking at this list but if i was going to say that there's one bit of variety you could run here that is an option you could take out um the trio there and put in two kranigman wardens uh there's obviously other things you could do uh with the third kranigman um unit that is housing mira in there if you just for whatever reason don't feel that you could utilize cunning traps you could stick a warden in there as well but frankly i think that mira and specifically the utility that she's bringing there is really going to help this list and you know just it gives you a tool to use that otherwise you don't necessarily have an answer for which is specifically the solos or monsters or other dire wolves things like that this can effectively put them on lockdown with very minimal investment on your end so that's one of the reasons I like her here. The last thing to mention with this list here is actually going to be shooting into combat a lot, because that's something else to note that you know you need to realize. Your House Tully Sworn Shields, get them locked up in combat and with other units and use them to just pin something down. And then you have your Kranigman just shoot into combat because you have a six plus um, morale save on the Sworn Shields. You're not going to lose that many guys. And frankly, you're already kind of, you know, tanky and everything as well so you don't really have to worry about that that's something i just did want to address because i know some people are going to bring it up there's some other alternatives for this list as well technically you could replace one of the kranigman tracker units um specifically if you're going the upgrade route where they each have a warden instead you could replace one of them with a unit uh in there with a unit of stark bowman and then you could stick mira in there that's another alternative as well if you wanted to take that route and Sark Bowmen in this list are great because they're basically going to sit back behind your House Tully Sworn Shields, and they're just going to start peppering in ten dice into combat, um, because they can, you know, they've got their uh, longbow ability, and they can also, um, well, it's actually the same effect. They can not shift, roll up to ten attack dice, and they're also going to be able to ignore the intervening sworn shields so you can actually just set them in the back in addition to this if you stick mira in there with them you can still trigger your cunning traps and they become a kranigman unit so that's something to consider there as well just again more list options uh, i like the mobility that the tracker units are giving and again it requires a lot of change in the list round to kind of make this play out it requires dropping out rickon and all these things but it's another alternative as well that you can take uh it is pretty effective um there's a lot of variations there you can try. It does up the damage capability from just a raw numbers perspective. It's a little more reliable, but the Kranigmans are going to help you pull off more tricks. And I feel that's one of the fun things about playing this list and actually one of the things that's going to surprise a lot of the opponents because they're going to see, you know, you know Bowman and behind two units of Sworn Shields. Okay, you kind of see where this is going already, but you've got these Kranigman units that are running across the battlefield. Your opponent's not really going to know how to handle that a bit. So that's going to be the list. That's going to be some general tactics for it. And this is one that I really have a lot of fun playing. As I said at the start of this, I am a big fan of running a hyper-aggressive Stark list. But I actually really prefer playing this kind of control list here just because people never see it coming. And this is going to really um, throw a lot of opponents through a loop because this plays 
unlike most any other Stark list that you're going to come across. And it's a really rewarding and enjoyable experience uh, if you pilot it correctly. If you don't, your guys are going to get wiped off the table and it's going to be a lot of you know not fun times. So that's just something to note here is that this is not really a novice or noob friendly list here. But in the hands of a capable player, this list is really terrifying. It's a lot of fun to play too. So give it a shot. Let me know what you think. And join me next time, which we'll talk about something completely different, keeping our trek going further south. Till then, take care.